I'll record. All right, Titus 3, we're going to conclude today with verses 9 uh, through 15 of, of Titus. So he has gone from the foundation of uh, chapter 1 in a healthy building. A healthy church has uh, salvation in the first uh, couple of verses of chapter 1. Healthy leadership, uh, avoiding false teachers at the end of chapter 1. Then a healthy church has sound structure with older helping younger, slaves contributing uh, to the, the health of the church. The grace of God is training all, all people to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And Titus is told to declare and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And then reminding all Christians in chapter 3 that uh, private Christianity is good, but good works is public. And so we'll see today uh, good works is things that people can see. As they look at our lives, they should say, there is, according to God's word, there is a good person. And we get the word good with the word excellent in verse 8. So we'll pick it up uh, with verse 8, this saying. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent, that's the word really good, and profitable for people. Useful. God's word is all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for. That's the same word here in 2 Timothy 3.16. That God's word is profitable, useful. But these things that he has told us in this book are profitable if we are living them out in good works. And these things are excellent, really good, and profitable for people. When we are have sound doctrine. That's the most beneficial thing we can do for people. Not water down doctrine, not change our doctrine to, uh, let's see which way the wind's blowing in the culture and we'll follow, follow, the, follow the crowd. No, doctrine hasn't changed since God says in Revelation, don't add to or take away from the words of this book. Uh, we have a complete Bible and this Bible is uh, full of sound doctrine and all scripture is god breathed and it's profitable um second timothy three uh, reminds us so he says these things are excellent really good and profitable for people but then he says in verse nine to avoid all right so he has throughout the book told us to avoid if you look back at verse two of chapter three avoid quarreling um and speaking evil of no one uh, because that's not going to prepare us for good works. And now that he has summarized the good works, he says, okay, now if you're going to devote yourselves to good works and be excellent and profitable for people, you have to avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. All right, so we have a list here of four things. Foolish, um, 
as we get older, uh, hopefully we're doing less foolish things. And as you get more wise with age, we were just talking before we started recording about the wisdom that we should have with age, foolishness becomes more apparent to you. And your foolishness when you were younger is like, oh man, that was when I was yeah. foolish. And we hear people say that yeah. often, right? And I've thought even this week about some things I did. I'm like, oh man. And as I talk with my kids and other people a lot younger than me, um, I have to give them grace because of their age. Mm -hmm. And with age comes foolishness, right? However, with the culture of lazy liars and evil beasts, as bringing into the church they there are people that always want to argue about everything and so all these categories are things that people argue about in titus's day and we have our own categories some of them overlap with this but we have to think okay so if we're going to be ready for good works and devoting ourselves to good works we're not going to have time for foolish things right and we should notice foolish things immediately and say okay I'll talk with someone a little bit about foolish things, but that's what I'm going to devote myself to. And with the internet comes a magnification of foolish things. And if you look at YouTube videos, just for an instance, and there are foolish things and these some of these categories, all kinds of YouTube videos on debunking someone else who's debunking something else who's debunking. And you're like, okay, this is like, commenting on commenting on commenting and then they have the comments down below the videos and if you ever get into if you ever get sucked into a video you're like oh i wonder what other people are saying and before you know it you've wasted an hour looking at things that was a waste of time it was a foolish use of time because of the content wasn't sound doctrine it was something controversial something that stirred people up and we don't have time for that if we're going to devote ourselves to good works. Okay, so back to our list here. Avoid, foolish, and then he has four things. Controversies. I think all of these um, match the same in the Greek. They match the same tense and everything um, as the word foolish. Um, so it, it could be that foolish is attached to all these things. He just doesn't repeat the word foolish, but all these things are stupid. Foolish. So controversies. Um, and if you think of someone who is not devoting themselves to good works as a Christian, and they are chasing um, controversies, uh, these could be today um, political things. They could be with COVID. Should we wear masks or not wear masks? Should we get the vaccine? Should we not get the vaccine? How far should we distance ourselves? Um, and now it just keeps coming up every flu season. Now they, the culture is putting out, um, recommendations, uh, next year, we're going to have a presidential election and we're going to have a massive amount of controversy all around that. So our culture is so similar to Titus's culture. It's different. Um, in, uh, in their likely elections, if they had elections <laughs> were different than ours, but look at what people devote themselves to. And we have to we have to avoid for ourselves. If we're going to be excellent and profitable for people, we have to avoid foolish controversies. We have to avoid foolish genealogies. So there are some people that think 
Jewish people, and the Jewish people were mentioned, uh, false teachers back in chapter one, that it is really important which tribe you are from, if you're Jewish, and trying to trace your lineage back to a tribe. I remember what Paul said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, but I don't really, it doesn't really matter, okay? Being able to trace your tribe, if you're the apostle Paul, going back 1400 years, I mean, Benjamin lived probably 1800 years before Paul did, and he could trace his lineage back that far. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> and there are a lot of genealogies in God's word that help us to trace the lineage of Christ and some kings. But you know what? When it really comes down to it, does it really matter who's in your ancestry? Okay, if your great-great-grandfather was Spurgeon or Adolf Hitler, uh -huh. which would you prefer? <laughs> okay, you know what? It doesn't really matter at all. If Hitler was your great-grandfather or Spurgeon was your great-grandfather. It has nothing to do with your good works. It has nothing to do with sitting around and talking about foolish things like genealogies, who you're related to. But how many people today, with the power of the internet, give themselves hours upon hours and hours and hours about who they're related to? My dad did not care who he's related to. I don't even know my great-grandfather's name. I don't know anything about him, and I don't care. <laughs> because I probably inherited that from my dad. Like My mom does care a little more, so I have a circuit riding doctor in my lineage and my mom has as a nurse she has some of his tools and i may inherit those uh, if my brothers don't want them but other than that i i don't really care who i'm related to um and maybe you do and that's okay it's okay to be to care about it it's not okay to sit around and argue and think that i am more valuable to god and more prepared for good works or have a more excellent pedigree ancestry no. than someone else. Mm -hmm. And so we say, no, we're going to avoid this. We're going to avoid foolish, uh, incessant um, um, videos that we could watch that are controversial, that take us off track from being profitable and excellent and devoting ourselves to good works. We're also going to avoid foolish genealogies. We're also going to avoid foolish dissensions, which is just um, arguing, arguing in a way that you have to take a side. So when you have to take a side with something, it's likely not a godly thing. It's an ungodly thing. It happens in churches. What, what should we do with the color of the carpet, the curtains here? Um, what do we do with... Um, all kinds of things that we, we could change or not change. And we can get on different sides and have look up all the reasons why this is bad or this is good. And, and it's just not helpful. We have to avoid these things. And then if you take dissensions to the next level, it is quarrels. And this quarrel has the idea of fighting. So severe dissensions, severe arguing, where someone, if you watch someone who is in a quarrel, they're raising their voice. They are making people around them uncomfortable to be like, okay, this isn't just in a disagreement at the table or in a small circle at coffee time. This is, I can't believe you would do. Okay, and as soon as I talk like that, even 
<laughs> in public anywhere. That's an obvious thing that I am in the middle of a quarrel. And we can't do that. We have to avoid these things. Avoid, And it's foolish. Everyone who quarrels is foolish. Now, um, there are, we would say, quarrels about some good topics, some sound doctrine. But quarreling isn't the way to convince somebody that they're wrong and you're right. The word quarrel is also back in verse two, where it says, don't speak evil of anyone or be ready for every good work. The end of verse one of chapter three and to speak evil of no one and to avoid quarreling, but to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Yeah. If people want to fight and want to argue about things and we allow it to escalate, we're guilty of not avoiding quarreling. If someone is adamant about something that is foolish, and the more we, we the more we talk, we're like, okay, this is just a foolish thing. How many angels can stand on the head of the pin? It does not matter at all. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of things that are not sound doctrine. They are petty opinions of people that we have to identify and say this this conversation is heading away from sound doctrine away from devoting ourselves to every good work and we are going to be um, disobeying verses nine verse nine here all right and quarrels about the law if you were jewish uh in titus's day you would be arguing about how to keep the sabbath day holy what holidays should you avoid? What food should you avoid and not avoid? And a church that's young on the island of Crete that has some Jewish people and some Gentile people, as we've seen in other books of the New Testament, um, could be divisive, as the Corinthians were, as um, Galatians were, as uh, the people on the island of Crete definitely were. And Paul says, okay, just avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, um, arguments, fights that come from the arguments uh, about the law. And he just summarizes all this with, for they are unprofitable and worthless. You see unprofitable, and then at the end of verse 8, it says, these things are excellent and profitable. It's the same word except a negative. So the ESV, I don't know what your translation says, but the ESV puts profitable and unprofitable, those are accurate translations because they're opposite words. So something that is unprofitable, it is not helpful. And then he adds another word, worthless. Okay, anything that's worthless, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. So when people come up and ask me something that is speculation about the Bible, I often reply with, well, based on a couple passages that come to mind this is an answer but we don't have a clear answer so why don't we worry about things that are clear in scripture like loving our neighbor as ourselves like being patient and kind and not easily provoked and worry about what is so crystal clear in scripture and meditate on that instead of why, why doesn't god tell us this or that because we don't need to know that's why he doesn't tell us. <laughs> but what we do need to know, the secret things belong to God, but what he has written in Deuteronomy 29 belong to us and to our children. 
So what God has written, that's what we spend our time on. And as what the more God has written about it, the more we can have sound, healthy doctrine, teaching from God's word. And that's what we devote ourselves to. And how do we know that we're devoting ourselves to? Is that what's coming out of our life is we're devoting ourselves to good works. So we've got sound doctrine built on top of sound doctrine as a life that everyone can see as healthy, good works coming out of us. We're ready for them in verse one. We're devoting ourselves to them in verse eight. And because we're doing that, we don't have time for foolish controversies and the list of verse nine because we understand and agree with Paul and Titus and the godly people of chapter two. Hey, we're not going to spend our time uh, arguing and talking about things uh, that don't really have sound doctrine to back them up. And they're unprofitable and they're worthless. All right. So what do you do with a person then, Titus, if you have someone in your church who is insistent on a uh, certain uh, controversy, a certain quarrel, and every time he or she comes to church, they bring it up. And they fight and <laughs> raise their voice every single Sunday. What do you do with this person? Well, they've grown up in a culture where everybody's a liar, everybody's e evil, uh, out of control, and everybody is, is lazy. Okay. So what do we do with this person? Well, we're told in verse 10, as for the person who stirs up division, that's the person who is not avoiding what he says in verse 9. As for this person, okay, and everybody in church knows this person because it's this, this is public bad works, not good works. After warning him once and then twice, okay, it's likely that Titus is doing the warning. It's also likely that the older godly people of chapter 2 are also warning as well because that's part of the training the older women and the older men are coming alongside the godly leadership and they're unified, focusing people on sound doctrine and good works. And here is a person who is constantly bringing up controversial things that's causing division. And he almost gets or she almost gets empowered by the more divisive the argument, the more glee they get from bringing this up. Okay, we, churches can't be like this. Okay, the culture can be like this. That's fine, but as far as bringing that into the church, no. Okay, so warn him once and then twice. Hey, you got to stop. Talk, don't bring this up again. You can bring this up, you can go on your websites. I wouldn't encourage you to go on your websites and get your little group of people around you and get all these um conspiracy theories that uh lead nowhere and just cause you to be fearful and uh, just get everybody that agrees with you around you. Uh, and you spend hundreds of hours a year on worthless things and you're not devoting yourself to good works. Okay. So what do you do with this person? Warn them once and twice and then have nothing more to do with them. It sounds like church discipline where the leadership says, and then the congregation says, yeah, we can't have this in our church. You're welcome to come, but you cannot bring up this topic anymore. Well, I'm still going to bring this up. Okay. Well, then you're not welcome to come. So. And I wouldn't encourage you to go to any other healthy church because they're going to challenge you the same way, according to Titus 3. So you've got to obey. If he's a Christian, she's a Christian, you have to obey verse 9. You can't, you're not excellent, you're not profitable for people. You are giving yourself over to unprofitable and worthless things. 
and you're, you're dividing the church where we are all about being prepared for serving the community, serving one another, and this doesn't add to it. It detracts from it. Verse 11, having nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. Warped in, they won't listen to sound doctrine. They won't be talked out of their conspiracy theories. Um, and they're sinful. They may be sinfully fearful, angry, quarrelsome, and the list could go on just from this book. And because he is warped and sinful, he is also self-condemned. See, someone who lacks self-control will eventually be self-condemned. So this is why the church has leadership, has godly people in it that are going to come around side immature believers. And yes, I know what culture you grew up in. I know that you love these controversial things, but you need, you need to spend more time in God's word with sound doctrine and less and less time with foolish, worthless things. Um, don't follow the path of the fool because the more you give yourself to foolish things, you're going to get the Proverbs label of fool. And if you stay in foolishness long enough, in Proverbs, you're not just going, you're not, when someone gives you sound doctrine, you're going to scoff at it. You're going to be a scorner where someone tells you, don't waste your time. And they're like, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. Okay. Well, you're, you're not um, helpful <laughs> to yourself or to the culture or to this church. And we don't need to, the reason for the separation is the the distractor is warped sinful self-condemned instead of self-controlled from titus 2 he is not ready for or devoted to good works in chapter 3 so that's reminding a christian leader to avoid divisions and then uh, the last section here is a personal section that paul often ends his books with with uh, four verses and reminding the christian leader to be busy about good work so he has some uh, encouragement, personal um, flavor here uh, for Titus. And then he broadens it from Titus and encourages Titus and how to specifically help um, the other believers in the church. So he says, when I send Artemis uh, or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Nicopolis is on the uh, west side of, um, of Greece. And so and the southeast of Greece is where Crete is in the island. He's got to come up uh, to where he says, do your best to come meet me at Nicopolis, maybe a couple hundred miles. Uh, for I have decided to spend the winter there. So he, he gives them an idea of how, how long he's going to be there. So if you can come, uh, try to come during winter. Uh, verse 13, another thing, do your best. So whenever he says, do your best, it's like, I really need you to be here. He's like, if you can. I'd love to see you. Okay, so do your best to come to me in verse 12, and then do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, seeing that they lack nothing. So what do you think he's talking about there in verse 13? How do you send them on their way or see that they lack nothing? What do you think he's talking about? Probably finances. Yeah, so sending them out making sure their needs are met and they've got provisions for their journey. So Zenos, the lawyer and Apollos, we've seen Apollos before in Acts. 
other books were a, a gifted um, orator, uh, a preacher, teacher. And so someone who knows the law is uh, Zenos, and someone who knows the word of God and can handle it well is Apollos. Send them on their way. Do your best to do this. See that they lack nothing. So Titus isn't going to do this by himself. So he's going to get churches on the island together and say, okay, we need to send out these two men um, so that they lack nothing. We're going to take an offering for them. So here you have a lying, lazy culture. They've I've been told to give themselves over, be careful to devote themselves to good works. And now he gives them a very specific good work that they can do. Okay, they everybody on the island of Crete can't go visit Paul and can't do the work of Zenos and Apollos, but you can send other people out to represent you, which is what we do with our mission support here at church. Verse 14, and let our people learn. So Paul's calling the people on the island of Crete our people. Let them learn to devote themselves. Now, what we should expect after devote themselves is something that matches that devote themselves back in verse eight. And he says the same thing, devote themselves to good works. All right. A culture that is not, not, not good has devoted themselves to manipulation and laziness and evil. And a church is devoting themselves to good works. So he says, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. He may be meeting financial needs of people in their churches in a way that causes them to be fruitful, uh, helpful. And we have a fellowship fund here. So we send mission support out that's, that matches what we see in verse 13. And then um, we're devoting ourselves to good works here. And as people are able to give to the fellowship fund, we can use that for cases of urgent need. And to be not be unfruitful, but to be fruitful and useful. So challenging believers, not just Titus, but challenging believers to do their best with very specific good works. Now his final verse, verse 15, all who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Another good work here, love, love your leaders in the faith. Why do you love them? because we're in the faith together. What unifies us as believers is we have the faith, the faith in Christ. The difference in the culture, the difference of the church and the culture is so stark contrast here in this book. And he concludes with, all right, greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So love and grace and greeting. Very specific good works that would unify uh, the church. So what a wonderful um, ending to a short but very pointed book that identifies how to be healthy and how to not be healthy and how to stay healthy uh, in, in a local church and how that church, despite the culture, can be used mightily to influence um, influence their culture for good. Good night.